Stay tuned for The Lynn Show. Today, I'm airing an interview with Johnny Epstein. Johnny is a Shakespearean scholar and professor at the FSU Oslo Conservatory for Actor Training, where he teaches a three-hour-a-day course on Shakespeare. It has been my pleasure for the last several years to interview Johnny about the current Shakespeare production put on by the conservatory students. This year's production is As You Like It, and will be opening on April 12th at Selby Gardens. Listen to this articulate, knowledgeable, interesting man talk about something he knows better than most people, Shakespeare. This is a fascinating insight into Shakespeare, and in particular, the play As You Like It. So hang on, here come the show. Welcome to The Lynn Show. 
I have been lucky enough to interview Johnny Epstein, Shakespeare scholar, for many years now about the upcoming Shakespeare production, which will be performed by, by the conservatory students. And this year's play is As You Like It. And I don't need to say anything else, except here is Johnny Epstein talking about what he knows better than most people. And that is Shakespeare. Okay, so tell me about As You Like It, what we might be expecting. Well, it's, in, it's at Selby Garden. It's really a, a gorgeous setting. And um, what I'm hoping is that it times itself really well. Sunset's around 5 of 8, and we start at 8 o'clock. And the early scenes in As You Like It are orchard scenes and court scenes, and there's a big wrestling scene and so on. And then they move into the forest. Can, you, can you tell the story? Oh, well, uh, the kingdom, the duchy, is ruled by Duke Frederick, who supplanted his older brother, the old duke. Supplanted and, is, as he in kicked the Tempest? Him out. He kicked him out. Yes, exactly as in The Tempest. <laughs> sure. um, and exactly as in The Tempest, where it's Prospero, who's kicked out by his brother Antonio, you can tell that there's a lot of affinity between the two, which only adds to the viciousness of it. Anyway, the old duke has left, has been kicked out, but his daughter Rosalind has stayed because she and the new duke's daughter have been ever from the cradle bred together. Uh -huh. And never two ladies loved as they do, and you can make of that what you will. Uh, they're very close. In the meanwhile, it's clear that the old court had some interesting people in it, among them Sir Roland Du Bois. Roland of the Woods, who was clearly a great hero, but he died and left three sons in our version two because I only got a cast of ten. Uh, the older Oliver is charged with educating and raising the youngest Orlando, but he doesn't. He raises him like a peasant. And Orlando says, the spirit of my father grows strong in me and I will no longer endure it. And so... So again, this is brothers. Yes, it's brothers. Uh, so, you know, among the themes in the play is what do we owe people and what is our obligation to family, what is our obligation to friendship, what do we owe the people we love, what do we owe the people who love us, you know, what are our obligations. And in creating the play, you are telling a story but as with most Shakespeare plays, it's a kind of a complicated and winding story. What you're really doing, I think if you're doing a good job of it, is creating the world where these matters can be explored, discussed, debated, uh, made use of in a way which is entertaining, but in which you can go fairly deep. So... Uh, Orlando decides to challenge the Duke's champion wrestler, or in our case, wrestlers, uh, because I didn't have any single actor who looked like he could kick Orlando's ass because Orlando's very, you know, muscular young man. So it's two wrestlers. Uh, and he challenges them. And the Duke's daughter, Celia, and the Duke's niece, Rosalind, the old Duke's daughter, see him defeat these two wrestlers. And Rosalind is heartstruck immediately, and he by her. In a sense, both of them are disinherited, both of them are kind of alone as far as 
companionship of the opposite sex goes and so on. Anyway, well, they, and I'm just making sure I know, this is the younger brother? The youngest brother. Right, and the... the and the daughter of the old duke. Right. Orlando and Rosalind. No sooner has the duke found out that this young Orlando is the son of Roland Du Bois than he gets really cranky about it because Du Bois clearly was an adherent of the old oh. duke. And so he sees that his niece has taken a fancy to this guy. He sees that everybody loves his niece. He sees that his daughter is kind of in the shadow of his niece. And so he banishes the niece. Ooh. Meanwhile, Orlando goes home and his faithful servitor, Adam, old Adam, uh, in this production played by a woman, Alex Pelletier, uh, but but she does a pretty good job of being playing the old buffer <laughs> you know, sort of thing that Rafe Richardson used to do. Well, Adam says, don't come in here. Your brother's going to burn the house down around your ears. Adam, by the way, is one of the roles which anecdotally is associated with Shakespeare. That is to say, he's thought to have played Adam. Ah. Uh, and Adam, for a cranky old guy who's basically there to move the plot along does have some fairly trenchant things to say so it might well be true anyway adam tells orlando you got to get out of here orlando says i don't have any money i didn't even get any money for beating the wrestlers and they haven't given me my inheritance and adam has saved 500 crowns this is like an impossibility 500 crowns is a lot of money uh for a serving man to save any money actually in, in Elizabethan England was essentially impossible because they were basically uh, you know, buying from the company store. They didn't have any savings. But anyway, he somehow managed to do it. And they head off into the woods. Meanwhile, the banished Rosalind is in despair, but the Duke's daughter Celia says, listen, uh, you know, the Duke has banished me too because uh, thou and I am one, she Ooh. says. She doesn't even say thou and I are one. Uh, and and we're going to go, and where shall we go? To seek my uncle in the forest of Arden, that is to say, to go look for the old duke. The old duke has gathered a bunch of, uh, it's hard to tell whether they're hippies or courtiers or what they are, but there's clearly there's a society living in the woods as, as wild men, as indeed there often was in England. Uh, so Rosalind... Uh, thinks, well, wait a second, we're young women, we're both attractive and so on. Somebody's gonna, probably going to assault us. Why don't I dress myself as a man? So she does. She calls herself Ganymede, and Celia calls herself Aliena, an alien, to, Ooh, you know, yeah. and, they, and they disguise themselves and head off into the woods. And then we get to the woods, and there's the old duke saying, I'm a lot happier here than I was... <laughs> back home because here when I feel uh, the wind bite and uh, blow upon my body even till I shrink with cold I smile and say this is no flattery these are counselors that feelingly persuade me what I am and this is a phrase that repeats itself uh, again and again and again what I am I am the Duke uh, uh, to you I give myself for I am yours my conversion so sweetly tastes being the thing I am. So it's a very existential play in the sense of what does it mean to exist um, as, as, a, as, as a human.
So that's essentially the first. Now, in Duke Sr.'s court is a melancholy gentleman, Jaques, who sees the darkest side of every possible thing. But he, he encounters not Rosalind or Celia, but the court fool, Touchstone, whom they've brought along. And Touchstone somehow lightens his spirit. And so he thinks, gosh, I wish I were a fool, you know, because I could, I could do the world so much good. And the Duke says, you couldn't do the world good. You yourself were a libertine, and all the embossed sores and headed evils that thou with license of free foot hast caught, wouldst thou disgorge into the general world. That's just a, a reference, embossed sores and headed evils. That means raised lesions and boils and so on. So at this time, you have to know that, that the pox, yes. both smallpox uh, and, syphilis. and syphilis, which is called the great pox, uh, were very common. So whether he literally has syphilis or whether he has a kind of syphilis of the mind in the sense that his, his mentally he's poisoned. He's a libertine. Uh, he was a libertine. Mm -hmm. But then Orlando makes his way to this forest court carrying old Adam by this time. <laughs> and Jaques sees that there are more woeful pageants than the scene wherein we play in. That is, that there are people in bigger trouble, trouble than, we, than are. we are. That's right. And that's where he gets the idea for the very famous speech, All the World's a Stage. Ah. Um, and all the men and women merely players. merely players. And he describes their lives as having seven ages. The infant, the schoolboy, the lover, the soldier, the justice, the pantaloon, and then second childishness. Uh, at which point old Adam, who is by now in his second childishness and very frail, comes in. That's the end of Act One. The really important thing that happens in Act Two is Rosalind, disguised as a man, meets Orlando. But she's disguised as a man. And rather than take off her doublet and hose, she sort of explores her relationship with him as a man. And she finds it kind of enjoyable. And he yeah, has been... She's he, an equal then. Yes. Well, yeah. Or even more so, because she's not lovesick. She, as the young man Ganymede, is not lovesick. She, as Rosalind, is. Uh, and so he's suffering in love. It's a hopeless love. He has no idea Rosalind is anywhere available. As far as he knows, she's still back in the court. And she says, well, I can cure you of your love. All you have to do is pretend that I'm Rosalind. And you come and woo me. <laughs> And I'll act like Rosalind would, and that'll cure you. It'll drive you crazy, but it'll cure you. And he says, I would not be cured. And she says, I'll cure you if you just come to my sheep coat where they live and call me <laughs> Rosalind. Now, by the faith of my love, I will. And so the next two acts in Shakespeare, half an act in our, in our production, um, consists largely of her in dialogue with Orlando. Now... Sometimes she's pretending to be Rosalind, you know? <laughs> yeah. I would as leave be wood of a snail, you know, you know or, or, or uh, uh, what would you say to me now? Or I, you're very, very Rosalind. And he talks to her as if he were Ro she were Rosalind. Sometimes she's sort of his manliness coach. No, no, Orlando, no, you know. <laughs> this is not how men, this is, women don't like that, you know. And so she's instructing him in a way on 
how to relate to a woman, but she's also learning how he does feel about women, and she's learning how she feels about him. This is one of the things that happens in the comedies in the middle period of Shakespeare's life is the women often dress as men yeah. and are able to have these relationships more successfully than they could as women. So in a sense, the actress playing Rosalind is the authentic Rosalind, the Ganymede who's a, a saucy lackey, a, a fresh young man, and the pretend Rosalind, which bears some resemblance to the real Rosalind and some resemblance to what men expect women to be like. Wow. Do, do, do you see what I mean? So yeah. she's got this, so she has to sort of act up, like, I know you think women are like this, and therefore I'll act like this, and then drop that and go, no, no, that's not <laughs> how women are actually. And then sometimes when... Uh, uh, you know, she's just taken aback and, and forced into her own persona. You know, she says, what would you say to me now where I, you're very, very Rosalind? And he grabs her around the waist and says, I would kiss before I spoke. And she's just, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, 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 better speak first, and then you can, later you can kiss. Uh, so uh, through various vicissitudes, and it's a, it's a more complicated story than that, they find a way of, of relating to each other. The older brother Oliver makes his way into the forest and predictably falls in love with Celia. Um, another young couple in the forest, uh, Phoebe and Silvius, have a tortured relationship and uh, Rosalind as Ganymede does a little life coaching for them too. Uh, the touchstone, the fool, finds himself a country wench you know, who's as dumb as a bag of hammers but very sexy and consequently they get along great. Uh, so are we saying it's all's well that ends well here? Uh, well, it does all end well. But the thing about the play, All's Well That Ends Well, is it, that's not really true. Mm -hmm. Because the Bertram, the hero, has been a jerk the whole time, and he's still kind of a jerk. You know, and Helena, the heroine, right. has been a saint the whole time, and now she's married to a jerk. jerk. But the thing about All's Well is it's, an, it's Italian in style, but as you like it, it's a forest play. And so the healing qualities of the forest assure that the people who end up with each other really do deserve each other. And it, there's a benediction at the end given twice, once by the Duke and also by Jaques. You, he says to the Duke, to your former honor I bequeath, to Orlando, you to a love that your true faith doth merit, you to Oliver, to your land and loves and great allies, Silvius to a long and well-deserved bed, and Touchstone to wrangling for thy loving voyage. So it's going to come out okay, really. So the Duke uh, gets his... Gets the Duke gets his dukedom back. back. It's a kind of a old man ex machina. The, oh, the, yeah, that's, the, right. that's right. <laughs> Frederick is headed out into the woods to, to capture all these people, the yes, mean right? new Duke, and he meets with an old religious man. And after some question with him, was converted. <laughs> both from his enterprise and from the world, and, and he's now going to go be a monk and contemplate his navel, and he gives his, his dukedom back to his older brother. So everybody gets what they deserve and more, uh, uh, and it ends uh, uh, with a dance. In this case, probably a polka. <laughs> uh. Well, that's, 
I don't, you know, I, I think it's fine to tell the story because... Probably, yes. Yeah, you know, because a lot of people will not know the story and they yeah. won't necessarily understand what's happening. Yeah, uh, it's a happy story and it's it, it usually, I mean, on a good night, it's a very funny story. It's yeah. one of the Shakespeare comedies which actually is funny mm -hmm. uh, because the situations are funny. Uh, the idea of a young woman telling a young man how to talk to that same young woman when he gets a chance <laughs> is intrinsically funny. The idea of a clown who can't stop his brain from running off at the mouth trying to figure out how to convince this woman to go to bed with him <laughs> is funny. The Duke doesn't often get laughs. It, in, in this production it's played by Jonathan Gruner. He plays both Dukes. This is actually quite often done that you have the two Dukes played either as twins or as brothers but but very similar in appearance, and that actor gets then to explore both the beneficent, kingly side of his personality and the cranky, envious, um, autocratic side, who may or may not also make the trains run on time. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing about for the Prospero-Antonio relationship, is it's clear that Prospero spent so much time with his books that he wasn't really running the, the clouds, kingdom. right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, having the Dukes double it's one of those things that directors talk about amongst themselves, you know, because there's two notoriously instantaneous quick changes. Oh. And so, you know, and so when you talk to another director over a few beers, is what do you do with the Duke Duke change? <laughs> you know, and people give their various secrets away or don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how to handle the Duke Duke change. But there is the aspect of, because they're brothers, right? So yes. they are alike in important ways. They are alike and one of the things that's important um, to me in, a, in approaching any Shakespeare play is that everybody, good or bad, is longing to love and be loved. And that's the essential feature of their existence and stuff gets in the way. And Often so, themselves. And, well, or their history, you yes. know, so that the history of envy and, and ambition and and impatience and so on gets in the way of the younger duke loving the older duke expressing the love but the love is still a very important jonathan's doing a very good job of seeing that the fact that he behaves badly is not because he doesn't love his brother but in a sense in spite of the fact that he does and so one of the things that happens in any good shakespeare production is you become more aware of the humanity of people. By Rosalind, inhabiting the man gives us insight into her as a woman. Orlando play-acting with the woman who thinks is not really his lover gives us an insight into the nature of his love. And like most young men's love, it has some authentic love, namely concern for the well-being of the beloved, and a lot of, I really love how I myself feel in the yeah. context of this relationship. Yeah. So it's not exactly self-love, but it's enjoyment or, or suffering or what have you. The same thing is true that Orlando's Michael Judah. Fortunately, he doesn't actually know yet how good he is, but it's a very, very unusually strong Orlando because his... Uh, he's able to maintain a very high level of authenticity at a sky-high level of energy, which, as you know, in the Selby is really important yeah. because if you don't have great energy, the, the audience is, is, is seduced by the environment right. and not by the language. This is a particularly strong cast. Some of them are playing roles which seem like they're born to play. As I say, the purpose is to create the world of the play, not to yeah. tell an individual story. Well, I, I think that's plenty. Great. 
Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. For I, me too. Yeah. You now know all you need to know about the play As You Like It, which you can see beginning on April 12th at Selby Gardens, the absolutely best venue for these productions. And these performances sell out immediately. So buy your tickets now, and I'll see you at the Selby. As always, I hope you got something from this show that you can use, something that inspired you. You see, I'm getting older. My hair is turning gray. Always oh, in my face and figure I've both seen better days. Well, I won't be retiring. I won't slip out of sight. No, I will not go gentle into that good night. Some goddamn boomerang No, I won't go with a whimper I am going with a bang See that I have had my shot My time has come and gone Oh, won't I please get off the stage Let someone else get on I won't be relegated or leave without a fight, no, I will not go gentle into that good night. got some tang so you won't hear me simple I may have gotten limper but I won't 